The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Up Close with Chris Tinney. Don't forget to visit ChrisTinney.com for more information about today's topics and download the new Spread Peace app that makes it easy to take action and advocate for the causes you care about. And now, here's your host, Chris Tinney. Welcome back for another episode of Up Close, and today we are getting up close with Scott C. Miller. And if you haven't listened to our past show when we had him on, I hope you do. It's available at voiceamerica.com and christinney.com, of course. Uh, I'm excited, folks. We had Scott on earlier. As a matter of fact, when I was first starting here on Voice America, I just left uh, KDWN here in Las Vegas to move to Voice America. And he was one of the very first people I wanted to have on because I read a book uh, during the four years that Taish and I were out traveling around in our RV and, and helping the homeless and sharing food. Uh, I read a book he wrote. And I realized that it really got at the underlying fundamental issues of, of how we really could end poverty. And when you read, when you read his book, you read, you end up saying, hey, we could do this. We really could. And of course, uh, he has authority because he's the CEO of Circles USA, a nonprofit that has chapters all over the country that are using a proven methodology and, and system to actually lift families out of poverty one by one and not just out of poverty to 200% of the poverty level. Now, why am I talking about all this again on this show? Because I'm really excited. I, I have gotten to know Scott. I've, I've uh, seen firsthand what Circles USA is doing and am excited to be part of a new company that he's starting along with myself and some friends called Transformational Heart. And it's going to use the same proven methodology to help people put it to work in their lives, to literally transform or change any part of your life that you are not happy with. Matter of fact, that's the very definition, to make your heart happy so you can begin the transformational process. We have a lot to cover here, folks, in, in this time together. We're going to talk about what a transformation is. We're going to talk about why it is so needed in the world today. We're going to uh, ask Scott to share with us a little bit about how this methodology has been used uh, in the past to lift people out of poverty and other examples. And more importantly, or not more importantly, because that's pretty important stuff, but, but we're also going to cover a brand new area where this methodology is going to be available to individuals, corporations, companies that want to transform their life or want to transform their organization. And I'm really excited about that. Uh, you'll hear about the Rio Grande Center for Spiritual Living uh, in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, we might talk about some other companies as well. Uh, uh, Scott Miller, welcome to Up Close, and thank you for joining us once again. Our listeners sure appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me on again, Chris. This is great. Well, first of all, for those people out there, transformational, you know, that's not, that's not really an airy-fairy word, but it is a word that is used a lot of different ways by a lot of different people. Um, can you can you share with me what your definition of a of a transformation is? Sure, it's the uh, I, I like using Webster's uh, version of this. It's a thorough or dramatic change in the form or appearance of something. 
And so our lives appear to us in a certain way, and we have some uh, message coming from our heart about what's next. And if we tune into what our heart is telling us um, and act on that, we're happier. It's just the nature of, our, of who we are. So the, the transformational heart process is really quite simply listening to your heart and then acting on it and changing your life and changing the world around you uh, by really tuning into what your heart's telling you to do. How did you start looking at, at this methodology or this path for transformation? Was there, maybe you can share a little bit about your, your past and what's influenced you to, to create this work. Sure. Well, I can go way back to you know college days when I was studying to become an architect, and it was so uh, good at being the wrong path for me that I, I got miserable. And so my, you know, your feelings, are, our feelings are really like our guidance system. They're like the GPS of where we're going. So I was going down the wrong road. And when I started thinking about what is it that I really want to do, not what I should do or what other people think I should do, but what do I want to be doing? And started, the first thing I did was to write my life uh, story 10 years later. So I think I was 18 at the time. So at the age of 28, I wrote a day in my life. From the moment I woke up to the time I went to bed, it forced me to make all of these decisions about what my life looked like, who I was uh, interacting with, what was I doing, what impact was I having in the world. I had to make all these decisions, and I found it exhilarating. And literally, back then, even said, I want to work with leaders, and I want to work with leaders who want to change the world. And that's what I ended up doing. I work with thousands of leaders now all across the country who want to end poverty, and now, with this Transformational Heart uh, Program, we're, we're now moving into a broader uh, set, of, set of issues that I think we absolutely have to uh, uh, work with to be sustainable as, a, as people living on a planet. We just have to be uh, taking on these issues at their crux, at the heart of it, if you will. Well, sure, for, for before we get into the, the Transformational Heart that I'm sure everyone's going to be excited to hear about, can you share a little bit more about Circles USA and, and your, the nonprofit and, and the work that you do and how sure. you've used this methodology there? With, uh, with Circles, what we did is we, we, um, we have three goals with Circles. Uh, one is that um, we want to be in 10% of all the counties in the country and 10% of all the major cities applying a methodology which gets people completely out of poverty and helps them stay out permanently. Uh, so there's 3,000 counties in the country. Our target is 300 within the next five years. We're in 60 of those counties right now. And there are 300 major cities with populations over 100,000. So we want to be in 30 of those, and we're now in 12. We are going to, in each of these cities, uh, in all these counties, ask them to make a commitment to get 10% of everybody who's in poverty right now out of poverty. And there's some evidence um, from Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute uh, work that says a 10% might be a tipping point. Uh, so to be found out about this, we, 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 to figure this out, we were setting this goal in all of our places and saying, let's build plans to get 10% of all the children out of poverty in this county over the next five to 10 years. And these plans are now getting more real. Leaders are showing up. And so the question is, will leaders be bold enough to do this? And so transformational heart now intersects with the circles work because we're basically going to be saying to leaders, listen, who wants poverty? 
It's terrible. It's a condition the United right. States doesn't need anymore. So if you followed your heart about this, wouldn't you get all these kids out? Of course you would. But let's see if we can get some momentum by reaching for this 10% goal, which is big. I mean, here in Albuquerque, you know, there are 45,000 kids being raised in poverty right now just in our city. Wow. So to get 4,500 of them out of poverty would be quite a bit of thinking and planning and acting. And But the point here is to build out this commitment where people start following their heart. Uh, and if we follow our heart, we're not going to let kids be raised in poverty. It just wouldn't be on the uh, things to do list. Yeah. You know, I, you're, I really admire the time I've got to spend with you speaking on the phone and, and now working together uh, at transformational heart, because you really have a, a, a way of seeing things on a, I don't even want to say at a high level because it's just a holistic approach where you really try to solve issues. If you if you you play big, that's what I should say. <laughs> you like to play big, <laughs> and you and, and you know when people hear we can end poverty, um, I've heard you. You're passionate about uh, you know creating a sustainable world where that, that works, and you've shared with me how poverty. You know you can't have a sustainable community. There's poverty. Uh, maybe you could share with people. You know what what needs to happen to actually solve these problems. Uh, in the world rather than, you know, people just going out and, and, you know, throwing money at it or throwing time at it. Uh, you know, is it possible to actually end poverty and, and create a more sustainable world in, in a climate today? Well, not only is it possible, it has to be done. We don't have options about this. We're at full planet population right now. I mean, at hitting on close to 7 billion, our whole economic system was based and uh, on a, much smaller population. And we could get away with having a high carbon footprint because we had a lot of, I suppose, oxygen to be messing up and not have it affect us. But I just saw on the ABC News uh, a few minutes before this, uh, our time talk here, that you can't even be in Beijing at noon without having your headlights on and masks on. It's just awful. It's epic pollution. Wow. And it has to be dealt with. You can you know... Who wants to live like that? It isn't even, it's not necessary, but it requires a transformation because so much of the economy has been built on uh, using oil and a high carbon footprint process. And again, you know, in a, in, a, in a situation where there were fewer people, we could get by for a while, but we're hitting critical mass of this being an enormous problem. So it requires a transformational process. And with poverty, um, you know, people... Uh, are more and more understanding that poverty, as the Pope just said the other day, it's driving terrorism. Terrorism is bred in in places where there's high poverty and no hope for the future. So when people start losing a future story, when they think they can't, there's no future to go to, they're vulnerable to being manipulated by terrorists and being brought into these uh, awful scenarios. So no one's safe with poverty. It's, I'm trying to make the point to everyone now is that it's solving poverty uh, is an economic development strategy. It's, a, it's an economic imperative for a couple of reasons, and it's also a safety issue uh, worldwide. It's a safety issue. So if the United States would use its enormous talent, innovation, power, and money to solve its poverty, it could then turn itself towards the wide world with much more informed uh, understanding of what's required. Instead of trying to rescue uh, folks in ways that they're not wanting to be rescued or that doesn't make any sense 
or even worse, making, you know, making things worse. So we don't want to do toxic charity. We don't want to hurt people while we're trying to help them. We want to be smart about all this stuff. So part of what our mission is at Circles is to increase the IQ of people about poverty and its real dynamics, what's really going on. Now, I know you, you, you're taking your expertise, everything you've learned at Circles. You also are pulling from, from other research and work that you've done, and mm-hmm. you're now looking at uh, organizations and individuals and, and how they can create uh, the same kind of uh, big changes like ending poverty will be when we accomplish it uh, right. to implement this in, in their life. Maybe you can share what, it, what is this process that you've discovered that, that helps people change big organizations or their, or their personal life? And, and, and now you're, you're, you're uh, proposing that uh, if we all did this, we could actually end some of the world's problems. Yeah, I think uh, the easiest way to talk about this is to, that the transformational process, there's a cycle that's a natural cycle that lives within all of us and it lives all around us. If we just use the seasons as one metaphor, in the in the winter, it's when we our visions begin to uh, come up from wherever they come up from from our heart, let's say, and this vision begins to emerge in the season of winter. We're mulling around. Do we want to? How do we want our life to be? I mean, it's a time that people at this point in the year right start reflecting about what happened this year and what what I want my new year to look like, what would be, this is a great time for people to do planning and reflection and review and uh, thinking about their future. So the winter is that experience of the transformational process. And so what we teach leaders is to be very, to start using this particular part of the transformational cycle to articulate the transformation that they want to see in the world so that you can do it in an elevator speech or you could do it in an hour-long lecture or you could write a book about it. Ideally, you could do all three. Um, I know that I want to, you know, make sure we end poverty. And I know that if we commit to getting people to 200% of the federal poverty level and that we get 10% of all these uh, households out of poverty and we eliminate the barriers in terms of policies that make it hard to leave programs, if we do those three things, we're going to end poverty. So I can do that in an elevator speech, but I can also go into great detail about this uh, when given the opportunity. Now, once we got this agenda articulated, so we should be able to say this is why we have to solve this problem, this is how we can solve this problem, and this is what we need to do about it. This is what we can personally do about it, those of us in the room. Then the transformational leader moves into this next part of the cycle, which is the spring, where you're planting seeds. It's the time to figure out who needs to be with me on this. If I want to end poverty, for example, in this country, who needs to be involved? Turns out government, the private sector, philanthropic groups, nonprofit groups. There's six stakeholder groups that I have to pull in, the civic groups, the faith groups. I have to pull them in into any community I go into. I have to have representation from those six different uh, sectors or pillars of society, if you will. Education's got to be there, too. And so I'm looking for leaders inside those systems that understand that if we can get people uh, a high level of support, and uh, a game plan, they'll get out of poverty. So during the spring season, I'm aligning myself with everybody that I feel is absolutely critical to making this stuff work. Then during the summer, we're chilling the garden, which means that we have to learn something. If this was already done, we wouldn't have to learn anything. But 
the learning curves about ending poverty are pretty steep, and there's plenty of them. And I have to, as a transformational leader, I have to sort out what are we going to be using for learning? Are we going to, um, what are we going to, what's the feedback we're going to get from all this work? What kind of metrics, if you will, are we going to be following? What's the data we need to collect? And how are we going to get everyone to teach each other what they're learning and speed up this learning process? So there's a whole bunch of mechanics involved with facilitating the learning of all the people that you've brought into this um, this vision. And then the final phase of this is embedding it into the culture so that it's it, it can uh, be a lasting change beyond you as a leader. And so in the autumn of this cycle, people are having to understand what are the policies, structures, budgets, you know, realities that have to be put into place in order for us to do business differently. So in my example of poverty, I need to have the game changed. I need to have the funders say, we're going to pay agencies to get people to 200%. So if you can't show that what you're doing is leading toward that end in some way, you're going to get less money. That's a basic structural change that needs to take place. There are things called the cliff effects, which means when you leave uh, Medicaid or you leave childcare programming, you could literally be worse off for taking a job. That should never be the case. It all should be prorated so that I make a buck, I lose a buck, but I don't make a buck and lose five bucks of support, which happens now. So all that's got to get eliminated, right? And then it's embedded. And if I bring in a new generation of leaders to take on this transformation and maintain it and grow it out to the next level, I could literally go on to a different thing altogether, knowing that I've completed that transformational cycle. And if you look at all the great leaders that we study, Gandhi, Martin Luther King, you know, all the greats, and work backwards what they did, they went through that cycle. Wow, that's exciting. So you now have pulled together uh, myself. I'm excited to be part of this. Once I heard what was going on, I, I, I couldn't, uh, you wouldn't be able to get me away. You've mm-hmm. also brought in BV Allen, a, a business consulting company that's mm-hmm. uh, working with the Transformational Circle, one of the most respected in the country. I think they have offices in Denver and Albuquerque and right. and mm-hmm. actually work worldwide. And you have brought in a spiritual side of this, too, uh, with uh, Martha, the reverend at the Rio Grande Center for Spiritual Living. What is it? You, how do you hope to apply this to to the, the business world today? I know you're you're looking to transform business leaders and and the movers and shakers. Is is that correct? Right, right. I think and, what we're and, already seeing is that we're attracting opportunities to make worldwide change uh, faster than we ever imagined. Just literally, as you know uh, from our story so far, Chris, that we'll share with people, we put together this transformational heart plan. Uh, uh, just recently and already attracted an opportunity to provide this to a leadership team that's being pulled together for a worldwide company that would affect 20,000 communities when it's come to fruition. So the fact that we're being brought into the center of that potential is just evidence that it's time to do this. This is the right stuff to be doing. And, you know, we're all doing what what our heart wants us to do. And I believe that once you align yourself with what your heart really wants you to do, then life conspires to, to work with, you know, we've been talking about that a lot, just how it conspires to open up doors. And the more we, at the center of that cycle I just described is the leader who is being the change that he or she wants to see happen. 
if we're not doing that, the cycle doesn't really go anywhere. But if we are being the change, and in my case, I'm just working in a lot, doing a lot of inner work to just let go of any resistance to having the biggest impact that I could possibly have because I see the urgency of uh, sustainability at the top of the list. You know, we just have to have our biosystems intact for uh, living here. And that has to be a top priority. So anything that gets in the way of that, to me, it's just a huge distraction. And I personally don't want to engage in any distractions. I want to go right to the core of that, find the leaders that have the vision and the gumption to solve that problem and be supportive. Yeah, it's, it, you know, one of the things that excites me about Transformational Heart is that we're not only creating an opportunity for individuals to go through the course, um, people can go to transformationalheart.com and sign up for our newsletter if you want to want to be aware of when the next public event is. And uh, you can also go to our Facebook page, Transformational Heart, make sure you follow that page so you can see what's happening because really the first of the year is when we're going to start putting some things on the calendar uh, but one of the things I was excited about, Scott, is, is one, I see you actually, I, I love uh, uh, trainers that walk the walk, and I've seen this incredible, massive change <laughs> that you've made in your life, and uh, really turn it on the dime, saying, wait a minute, I'm, gonna, I, you know, I'm not only want to end poverty in the world, I want to I I create business leaders that go out there and work for that common goal. I, I also want to help you know, individuals be able to recognize that they can play big in the world. I, I think that that's really exciting to people when they realize that, that they do play a very important role uh, in the world and their community and the family. And, and there's, you know, all these different cycles and circles going around them. Um, so I, I get really excited about that. How do you, I mean, you know, you said writing the, the story going forward, what would you like to see? I mean, if people are listening to this and they're saying, well, I wonder if that's for me, you know, with my company, um, you know, what kind of, what's the, the perfect kind of opportunity or company to go in and work with and, and, and help transform? I think any group that has a sense of social responsibility, you know, if we go back to the root of what it means to be a corporation, back in the early days of setting up corporations, you had to prove that you're good or that you were going to increase the common good, that your service or your product uh, was going to really make it, uh, it was good for society. You had to prove that to get incorporated. That's my understanding of the whole nature of uh, to be incorporated. And we, of course, we've lost that. Uh, but those that have, are reclaiming it or have never lost it, those are the people I want to work with. Um, it's, it, and it doesn't need to be just a business. Uh, again, we, we, you brought up Martha, Reverend Martha Quintana at the uh, center here, the Center for Spiritual Living, Real Gandhi Center for Spiritual Living, is one of those people that's so exciting to work with because in a conversation with her uh, early on, uh, I guess it was sometime in the summer, I said, well, what's your vision for the center? And she immediately said, we need a thousand new members who are going to transform the world so that it works for all. Well, that's the new mission statement for the um, Centers for Spiritual Living across the nation and probably internationally as well. So to turn the attention of that group towards a world that works for all and to be on the very ground floor of figuring out how to do that is pretty exciting. So, you know, you and, uh, and Shane from BV Allen and, and, and I have been working with Martha on four workshops next year in Albuquerque, uh, that would be in each season. And the first one is going to be an internal one for the, for the congregation, but it's to, for them to understand what it looks like to get a thousand new people into that center working on a world that works for all. So we're going to take them through the transformational heart process, 
clarify that vision so that each person in the audience has a vision for themselves that fits into this larger vision that the center has. And then uh, each quarter we'll be, we'll be uh, going through this process, uh, refining things, particularly to that season. So, for example, when we get to the spring conference, uh, it's going to be about how do you align people to this vision? And we're going to talk about the whole model, but we'll also talk about that in more detail. And then in the summer, how do we facilitate the learning? And then in the, in the fall, it's going to be focused on um, what do we need to embed next so we can continue this process. And I think any, any organization or a company that is uh, in business to do good or any kind of nonprofit that wants to change the world, what we can do with this process is give people a map so that it's easier to know what you're doing. Because it, 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 you know, how many of us come into meetings, we get inspired, we're excited, we start moving on something and it all falls apart. Why is that? I think it's because the instruction manual is missing the last four parts. <laughs> you get the first part, you know, which is get a vision, but the manual's missing the alignment, the facilitation of the learning, the embedding of policies and structures, and how you give yourself enough support. You know from talking to me, I'm, I give myself what most people would think is in a very unusual level of support. <clears throat> you know, if I think I need some counseling, yeah. I'll just jump in and do it. Get a little bit of therapy, get some of this to clear it out. I work with intuitives, uh, you know, who are wonderful at thinking, seeing things I can't see, clearing stuff out. I have organizational consultants, social media consultants. I mean, I have a whole team of experts that know way more than I do in all of their expertise areas that I utilize to get stuff to happen. And so, I think once people get involved with transformational heart, they'll begin to notice that we can create circles inside of all of this so that each person has an unusual level of support to be themselves at the biggest level possible, really tune into one's heart's uh, messaging and say, wow, I'm, I'm here to do this. That's really my assignment. And, but I'm scared to do it, and I need support, or I don't know how to do it, and I need information, you know, or whatever. So I think if we if we all agree on uh, we're here for a short time, and we ought to make the biggest impact that we can, and that it would also be fun at the same time, if we all can agree to that, we'll change anything and everything. Yeah. This is going to be big. I, you know, I want to share with people, if you're listening to this, and you are in the Albuquerque area, uh, that meeting in January that's listed on Transformational Heart is for the the congregation there at the center. But if you're in alignment with what they do and you want to be part of what they're doing going forward and work with them, um, then by all means, you should definitely get in touch with them and, and be part of that because I think they welcome you with open arms. And uh, if not, I'll sneak you in the back door with me. <laughs> but, uh, Scott, so, so tell, tell people about the, the actual program. We're going to be launching this uh, after the first of the year. We'll be putting a, a schedule up for people. We're hoping to have some online facets to it. But uh, is this a week-long seminar, a day seminar? Tell us a little bit about uh, the nuts and bolts of what somebody could expect. Right. I think... Uh, what we're going to be doing at the January event is we're going to videotape that. So we'll have a video version of this that people can just simply buy online and use at their own uh, discretion as they want to. And then there will also be the opportunity to have some coaching from afar where we'll have some webinars and other ways in which we can uh, work with people in small groups who want to move this out into their, uh, into their community or their organization or just into their personal lives in a bigger way. Um, then 
there will be groups that will want to um, do what we're doing at the center. And those um, can, uh, we're not sure yet how we're going to do that. It'll probably depend on who it comes to us wanting to do what. And we'll start designing different ways in which we can facilitate this process and start training some trainers so that they can carry this on uh, forward. The most important thing with this work is that people understand that they've got to become the change they want to see happen. So a lot of our um, initial questions with people will be, why is this important to you? Tell us how, how important is this to you? What are you willing to do and change and be in order for this to happen? And if all of that feels strong enough, then I think we can try to match that commitment in any way that we can to support them. What is it that you think keeps people from being the change that they want to see in the world? Do they not, you know, see the world or do they not know what kind of change they want or, or they don't feel that, I mean, what, what is it that you think keeps people from basically making the changes that would make them happier? Uh, there's an institutionalized helplessness that uh, the culture's up against right now. So as our, as our organizations become larger and larger, uh, I, I was just thinking about this yesterday morning because I thought it would be a good idea to, uh, since we just moved to clean up uh, my phone my phone account, my internet account, and my mortgage account all at the same time in the same morning. So off I go, <laughs> coffee in hand, excited about cleaning this stuff up, you know, wrapping up, getting my mortgage paid off, do this, do that. And it's, uh, I'm, I'm, I, I immediately am encountering artificial intelligence, a total oxymoron as I'm experiencing it in the morning. There's nothing intelligent about any of it. It's sending me wrong information to the wrong people. Uh, I find that one of my accounts has been uh, hit with another phone number and attached and been automatically deducting off my checking account for the last three months without me seeing it. All this stuff's going on. I can't reach people. I get disconnected because I haven't hit the telephone company yet to get the thing to stay connected while I'm talking to the other companies about it. Just And I was out of my mind in about an hour. I thought, holy mackerel. And the feeling was helplessness, right, which on top of that is rage. And then to deal with that, it's easy to just, uh, like, I'm going to have a piece of pie or do something else to feel better. And I think what we do is we have our experience of helplessness. What can we do about smog in Beijing, for example? And we say to ourselves, there's nothing I can do about that, and someone else is going to have to solve that. But what if it just keeps coming back that I'm really meant to do something about the smog in Beijing? I can just feel it. Um, then what do you do when you have that, that impulse starts hitting you? You can either respond to it and do something and move your energy in that direction, or you say no. And then you're left with this feeling of ennui that starts to creep in as we start moving away from our purpose. So I think people have gotten really sophisticated about keeping themselves distracted, and it's a way of dealing with this ennui which really is derived from not listening to our heart and taking the action. Anyone in the, in the United States could have an impact on the smog in Beijing because of just how powerful this country is worldwide and the influence we exert worldwide. We could have, hmm. and how do I, how do we do that? That's another conversation for another day. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you that the truth is anyone uh, of us, could have a bigger impact than we ever imagined. And part of this institutionalized helplessness just needs to be taken on. We need to get with real people in real small groups and say, 
I really want to do this. And then these people need to say, you need to do it. I can feel it, which they will. When you hit your heart's desire, when you hit your heart's calling, other people respond to that. They can feel it. And if you can get that kind of support going, then suddenly you're in a different space, doing different things with a bigger impact. And part of you goes, how did this ever happen? <laughs> but yeah, yeah you know, it you're the master does. of making, yeah, you, you mentioned how you have an unusual level of support. That's one of the great things I like about your program and, and the Transformational Heart Program is that, that, you know, you really do show people how to create a very unusual level of support that they would have never even thought about or knew how to go about. Uh, and, and it's so critical. It's such a critical piece of, of the puzzle. Well, you have to create. You have to create accountability for yourself too. I mean, the uh, the way to counter this uh, institutional helplessness is to create an accountability going against your helplessness, your sense of helplessness, the fact that you think you can't impact something that you think you really want to impact. So, with circles, um, the way we uh, we way we do that is that there's a weekly meeting and uh, a peer group of about twenty to twenty five people who say, I want to get out of poverty, even though this seems impossible to me, but they're in a, they're in a support group. They get some material. We build a plan and they're accountable to their plan. So this is how I'm going to get to 200% of the federal poverty level or better. I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to get this training. I'm going to do these things. I'm going to fix the car. I'm going to whatever. Then we bring in two volunteers per person. So 40 volunteers to send onto this group who have middle and upper income networks and they're trained up to get behind people's plans and then do whatever makes sense. It's like, if you can just use common sense, this is going to go really good. And <laughs> on top of all that, they get hooked up to all the agencies. So there, we act as a broker for everything that's already out there. So what are you trying to figure out? All right. So you need a car. I mean, we, we, we held focus groups in our first program in Iowa and asked people, what do you need to get out of poverty? And they said, a car that works. That was like the most common response, a reliable car. So these two guys retired from the Episcopal Church said to me, what can we do to help? And I said, I don't know, get a car program going. We need cars. Go get some cars. <laughs> and they, I'm not kidding you. They got 10 mechanics to do inspections for free on a rotating basis. And they went out and they started getting cars. They had a program that, and uh, it only took us seven hours of staff time. We never touched ownership for these cars, but we gave... 168 cars to our families in the first 168 cars. That's huge. Yeah, we and we would put people in the paper. Here's here's Julie getting her car going to college, you know, so she can go get a better <laughs> job. Great. And bam, we get three more cars, and we we got great at that. And I I said, so what else do you need? And people would say things like, we need somebody in our court, which meant that you know uh, I'm up against these institutions, whether it be the courts or whether it be the uh, school system, child protective services, you name it. There's a bunch of systems that people have to interact with if they're involved with poverty issues. And we bring middle and upper income allies that just join them and everything changed. The conversation wow. changed, the culture changed, the touch of everything changed, the results changed, people felt more empowered. So just think if I had had someone yesterday morning who knew these systems and had contacts <laughs> you know, that's just, I'm, that's a middle-class problem on my part, right? But if I'm in poverty, it's, it's just, it's overwhelming. And so 30% of our population feels disempowered from the economic game altogether. And we could fix that by just 
uh, building these unusual levels of support. So what Circles does is you have this whole community of people that are thinking about how to end poverty together. And it's real. Right. They meet every week. They have meals. The child care stuff is taken care of. You can focus on your plans. We have companies involved. I mean, there's all sorts of doors flying open. In fact, I just heard today, I was talking to some people in uh, Fresno who are running circles, and somebody had just gotten uh, over the 200% line, and he's, he is now, can you imagine, he was in poverty. He went into circles. He's now applying to get on um, American, America Has Talent. That's a genius what? singer. I mean, he, he, so he's making great. more money. He's out of poverty. And now he's feeling like he can do that. And and then someone else they mentioned said they just got out of uh, GED, and it's been a long time trying to get all that. So the allies took her to Yosemite, and then they did something else. And I, I heard all this. I said, geez, I want to join your circles group. That's something. <laughs> yeah, you guys know yeah, how to boy, celebrate. You guys. Yeah. Are, but see what happens when you just let people self-organize and, and hit these big goals. So what does it look like if transformational leaders who are working on these gnarly problems of, uh, you know, sustainability, reducing our carbon footprint, finding some alternative energy, the kind of things we have to figure out ASAP, if they had an unusual level of support that would help them burn through any of their fears about changing things? I mean, that's, it's fear, right? And it's, it becomes institutionalized if we if we start to um, listen to uh, I don't even know what to call it other than this sort of established darkness that we have about some of these problems. But if right. we can uh, if we can get the light around us, you know, and get people's uh, energy, and and have people have our back when we're on the front line of these issues, then we really can lead transformation at any level, and any level is appropriate. So maybe you don't want to solve smog in Beijing, but maybe Beijing can do that. But what about the way in which people are treated at the grocery store when they use a food stamps card? Maybe you could influence that if you wanted to, or, you know, pick an issue. But there's something that we want to do and can do, and it's bugging us. And I just uh, would like people to tune into their heart, ask themselves, what do I want to change out there? And then what do I want to change in myself so that I can be the change and get that to happen. Well, that's pretty exciting. That's, that's some exciting stuff. I, if you're listening to this, we're, we're speaking with Scott Miller, the CEO of Circles USA and uh, co-founder and, and president of Transformational Heart, a new program that's going to use the same methodology uh, that he's used over the years at Circles and other places, but uh, now open it up to the business community and individuals to, to use the same methodology to change the things in their life, their community, and, and uh, we'll be so bold to say the world. You know, Scott, I, I know when a lot of people hear about, I, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag. I know you have an upcoming book. I, w- I won't say the name in case you, uh, that's not the right timing. But I will frame it this way uh, with you. When we start talking about, you know, global warming and sustainability, people are just so polarized. It seems they instantly go into their corner. You know, they're they're a liberal, or uh-huh. they're conservative, or they're libertarian. Um, I mean, do you see common ground in, in in bringing people together around these bigger, bolder goals? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, we we are writing another book uh, on the poverty issue, uh, and it will be titled "Bootstraps and Benefits: What Conservatives and Liberals, you know, Bring to the Table and What They Should Leave Behind." And that topic is, uh, um, is designed to say, listen, there are things inside the circle to be talking about. But um, as my co-author says, 
we just got this tooth we want to wiggle, right? It hurts, but we, it's wiggling. We want it out. So we keep wiggling it and wiggling it. And that's what that's what's meant by saying, well, let's talk about gun control when we're talking about poverty, because that'll really get us ticked off. And we'll wiggle this tooth <laughs> with each other. Uh, we're saying, no, you know, if you are focused on getting people to 200% and you're getting 10% of these children out of poverty and you're getting rid of these cliff effects, you got more than enough to be talking about. So stay in the circle with this conversation. You want to wiggle a tooth with somebody, have it out in the parking lot later, but not now. And I think that's the case with uh, sustainability uh, issues, too, you know, around the environment. There's some things we can all agree upon. There is now a weatherman who does the second story of every newscast every night. I mean, when's the last time you haven't heard a news, uh, uh, one of the national news people say, millions of people in path of these new storms? It's every night. It doesn't right. matter what time of year. It's something blowing up uh, with the with the uh, weather, and there's an agreement, I believe, that uh, that now world leaders are coming to that we've got a huge problem that has to be solved, and we procrastinated for years on it. So now the price is higher, and right. you know, human beings tend to wait till the last minute often on a crisis, unfortunately. But uh, here we are, and we're at the last minute. So to me, we will find common ground because we have to. We just absolutely have to. But it would be great to arrive at these things earlier than, you know, the very last part yeah. of the crisis, crisis stage. And I think if people, again, would just listen to their hearts and not their heads, not what everyone's telling them that they should be like, what do you really want to do and change? You know, what do you really feel that you or your life's all about? And, right. uh and tune into that and just do that. So just ask yourself, what do I want? What do I want? What do I want to do? What kind of change do I want to do? And every time you hear yourself saying, well, that's nice, but I should do blah, blah, blah. I'd say, really? That sounds like uh, the kiss of death, giving into the shoulds. Yeah. And it's not, I always tell, it's people, not don't, I always I mean, tell people, don't should on me. <laughs> yeah, really, because... <laughs> Again, it's my life. I have to live it. And, you know, as Reverend Martha says in her talks often, so there you are on your deathbed. Whose life do you think flashes in front of your eyes? <laughs> Yours, <laughs> not anyone else's. <laughs> so at the end of the day, at the end of your life, it does not matter what anyone else thought you should have done. Because there you are with your life having done what you did with it. And, you know, it really is like stepping, stepping you know, your toe in the water when you, when you take that first step to actually believe in that you can do something. I know when I, one of the things I love about my wife is that she always just wants me to be happy. She doesn't worry about, you know, what I'm, you know, my, as long as I'm happy at what I'm doing. And, and so mm-hmm. when we married and she said, well, let's go feed the homeless. And I'm like, well, I, mean, I, you know, I need to work. And she goes, well, not really. I mean, can't you? I said, well, yeah, but I'm used to this and I'm used to that. And she goes, yeah, or you can, we can travel around the country and feed the homeless and do these things and be fine. You know, we're not going to be buying Porsches, but we can, and it changed my life. It actually changed my mm-hmm. entire life being out, being out there on the streets and, and, and learning so much. I, you know, I always say I've never been closer to God than when I've been on the streets with somebody in need, being able to give them a coat to, to literally maybe keep them alive for the night. Uh, and, you know, 40,000 people homeless die on the streets every year. So I'm real passionate about that. And that's what I love about your work and your methodology and what we're doing with Transformational Heart because it allows people to play big. To, and you'll see the big impact you have. And I, I get really excited about that. 
Um, so if you're listening to this, I want you, uh, if you're listening to the uh, recorded version, which a lot of people are, we're now getting 16, 17,000 downloads a show. Thank you so much for making us one of the most popular shows on Voice America. Um, below this, you'll see the links to, to sign up for the Transformational Heart newsletter. You can go to transformationalheart.com. You can go to our Facebook page and sign up for our newsletter there. Not only will you be informed of the events and when we post the videos and trainings online, you'll also be notified whenever we do a public event that, that you can be invited to. Um, Scott, thank you so much for, for joining us, and, and thank you for being you in the world. You know, you're, you've helped a lot of people in your organization. Thank you to all, all, all the people in circles. Thank you to you guys, too, because you're doing some great work out there, and I can't wait to, to take that to the next, not the next level, another level. Uh, of, of making it available to other people that, that can not only change their life, but have a huge impact in their communities. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Chris. And you, uh, you are an amazing, inspiring person as well. So my hat's off to you and the conversation that you've had with me, as I said to you, uh, open up a new door. So thanks for, thanks for doing that. Thank you. All right, folks. Well, don't let the uh, don't let our time end here. You know, we have our Goodreads group where you can recommend authors that you want to hear interviewed on the show. Maybe you are an author and you want to be on the show. Uh, we have our Facebook page where we're gathering all the time. And now you can sign up for the Transformational Heart newsletter. Uh, what an awesome way! I always say this show is for the thought to introduce you to the thought leaders and people that are helping shape our future. And this show definitely meets that criteria, uh, Scott. Miller has, has led the Circles organization for more than a decade, maybe even two here, I think, and, and created a, an organization that is truly working to end poverty in our lifetime. And now that same kind of methodology is being made available to businesses, uh, faith-based communities already, and, and after the first of the year to individuals. And I can't wait to see the impact that's going to have. And uh, like you said, you'll have fun, too. You're going to be hanging around a cool group of people, if I don't say so myself. I'll see you next week on Up Close with Chris Tinney. This is the end of the show. You don't have to let the conversation end now. Visit ChrisTinney.com to learn more about today's topic. Listen to past shows and connect with like-minded people. Up Close with Chris Tinney is broadcast live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel and rebroadcast online and throughout North America in select markets. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. And we'll see you next week on Up Close with Chris Tinney.